People like People like games Episode 41, aka KAK, aka the me special of People Like Games. What's up, everybody? Hello, and our apologies for the day delay, but as the ancient proverb goes, shit happens. Shit happens. And so, so, (laughs) that's good. That's good. Here we are now, and I feel like I'm allowed to delay a day because it's my birthday. It was my birthday at this point because now we're two days after the fact. So, I guess that 24 hour aura is gone. And so, anyway, without much further ado, because we've got a lot to get into for this episode. I'm going to have to give you... you. I know, I know. Exactly. (laughs) I want to spare a whole lot of time to hear a whole lot of me do a whole lot of talking. Because if you all... Fair enough. If you all don't remember, we did Lilo's birthday special back in April. And we created... Episode 32? Episode 32? (laughs) Episode 32. And we created a little format uh, that was going to be an interview. So you got to know the host a little better. I think after this, maybe we'll combine both of them and put it up on YouTube and maybe release it as a special episode, a get-to-know-your-host-a-little-better thing. But regardless, mm-hmm. we're going to be doing that again today. And Hell yeah. we are also going to be doing... What is it, Lilo? You, you, uh, you break it down for uh, us. We're getting our inaugural book review, baby. And if you didn't know what it is, uh, you should stay tuned because we're going to talk about Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, a book by Jason Schreier that Solo got me on. And yeah, we're going to talk about our favorite stories within the book and what's going on. But before we get into all that, let's my tweet, Jason. With our. Speaking of the prologue. There we go. We got to uh, need the plugs, man. We need the plugs. You can find us and follow us on People Like Games, and you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or Google Play or Google Podcasts, which just came out. And so, Sweet. You, yeah. And so, you know, it's a little basic, but regardless, we're going to be on it. So be prepared to listen. Uh, we should have a little update. SoundCloud, for Anchor, Stitcher. And we'll have a little update for you about Spotify uh, in a week or so. So stay tuned for stay tuned the expansion. But Lilo, hit him with the uh, table of contents. And so the talk, baby. The talk. All right, that's the talk. Let's go. Normally in our episodes, if it's not as special like it is today, we will go over four various segments with um, a few that we can sort of pull out and plug in, that kind of thing. But long story short, we start out with the quick scope, which is our quick scope of the industry and what we think were the hottest topics in the past week. And we talk about them, give you the highlights, follow that up with rumor mill and those things that we have heard but are not confirmed yet things that we want to talk about things that we're excited about that's pretty sweet we'll just give you those rumors that we hear i'll go into it normally a game spotlight a game of that week that i think everyone should be on the lookouts for it might have already come out or it might be coming out you never really know until you tune in however those are definitely important for you to know in the gaming industry and we normally highlight those people that are uh, don't have a lot of public uh, sorry public exposure per se so a lot of indie developers but game spotlight and then we wrap 
that shit up with the final lap. And the final lap is a topic of our choice that we want to expand upon for that particular week. This week is a little different. We are still going to have the quick scope, so we're going to give you a quick rundown of the things that happened after E3 and just, you know, new articles that have come out since. But we're going to go into, like I said, our inaugural book review. So we'll talk about our favorite chapters and specifically we'll talk about three of our favorite chapters within the book. All of them are separate uh, games between the two of us, which is pretty sweet. After that, we're going to go into this solo special. And that's where I am going to be interviewing... That's me. Lilo shall be interviewing Solo uh, about, you know, his video game experiences and things about that, things of that nature. So, without further ado, let's roll yeah. right into the quick scope. Birthday, right? birthday. Oh, wait. And now for the quick scope, <laughs> we're going to pause, hit you with the cue. Oh, bam. Welcome there to the segment. And Lilo. All right. We the charge. So let's uh, start it off with something that should surprise nobody because we covered it so goddamn much. But in case you're wondering how well Fortnite was received on the mobile extension of that particular game, Fortnite has officially hit 100 million revenue in the first 90 days on iOS. And to put that into perspective, Fortnite has earned 335% more than its closest battle royale on the platform, which is apparently Knives, Roar, Knives Out and not... PUBG, which is interesting to me. Found that interesting. But stats, 25 million were made in the first month of its release, 50 million after 45 days, and the user spend has not shown any signs of decreasing and slowing down over time. Uh, what's the most interesting to me about this is that uh, this article on GameIndustries.biz goes into details about how, although Fortnite has a meteoric rise, as we know, and we've talked about how they made 240 million or where thereabouts in one month, they only broke the 100 million after 90 days, and the record was actually set by Clash Royale, which made about 150 million over 90 days, which yeah, is insane. So. And if you really think about how small each of those transactions are and how much of a global sort of purchasing scale they have to be able to run those numbers right, right, off right. of yeah, dollars, exactly. $2, Just like $10, literally $20. quantity of... of people buying versus how much you're buying so it's just insane so in case you're wondering if fortnite is d- losing money no 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 no, no sir. they are making a shit ton of money and they are going to continue making a shit ton of money so um look out for when it releases in china which is coming up soon so we'll show you i'm sure there'll be more stats about how much money they made out there fact so it's like we had mentioned with regards to fortnite and Epic's $100 million announcement. And I was sort of unimpressed because of the scale of what I expected its revenue to be. And lo and behold, within within three months, they made all the money that they just sort of gave away. That And that's- uh, Just on mobile. Just on mobile. Just on mobile. And mobile yeah. was a throwaway. Mobile is literally a throwaway. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's wild. And so. so congratulations, Epic Games. And I look forward to the many more financial records to be broken when Sasha launches in China. Hell yeah. I, I do think they have a winning formula and they're milking that shit. Milking but all that money. On to the next story, but staying on the topic of mobile, uh, Unity and Google Cloud have announced a new partnership. And this is according to a gamesindustry.biz article, uh, to make development of multiplayer and online games easier for teams of all sizes. It, the two companies are working on a suite of open source tools to support creation of connected games. Basically, the goal is to allow uh, 
more multiplayer games to be able to be made and to hit the market because what they're going to be handling is the server hosting and the matchmaking features and that's interesting because it sort of runs uh, slightly in competition to the way that Amazon released their own tournament yeah uh, was it Amazon go I think was the name of it yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah that what allows you if you aren't familiar with it uh it basically allows you to uh create tournament setups on mobile games and a few other games that allow the api to be integrated and so that is pretty pretty interesting for both of these companies to to work together um also, if you happen to be unfamiliar with Unity, Unity is basically a game engine uh, that's developed by Unity Technologies. It's the standard. It is sort of what Unreal Engine is to most PC games, if I had to make an analogous analogy, <laughs> for lack of a better word. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that is a, a pretty cool partnership. Uh, I think it'll be pretty major, and it puts them in an interesting interesting position in the game to leverage what they're good at which is having a whole lot of shitload of data but also puts them in cloud territory which is going to be in competition with microsoft yep so yep yep i hear you look for more uh more mobile games with more mobile features aka when i say mobile features sorry multiplayer features it's just facilitating the process getting more shit out there it's great it's great news it's gonna be cool I hope to see it bigger. Bigger and bigger. Dude, I'm sure we're going to see more and more games, but this is just news for you you nerds who want to see behind the curtain, I guess you'd say. Nerds. See behind the curtain. All right. Now, moving right. on and switching gears just a little bit, I'm going to be talking about an article that came out very, very recently in light of the financial... I, I don't even know. Financial failure, you'd I, say? I, I, I want to say, I want to say failure. Solo, a Star Wars movie, which, you know, one of the a, a major disappointment. But what can I say? There's only one Solo in the house, baby. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! But it, no surprise to me that Solo failed so historically. Let's I, go with that. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It didn't it, actually fail historically. Basically. I don't know what. So basically, what, what what's the article? We're gonna give the article before I get your yeah, uh, answer yeah. there. So, uh, long story short, Solo did not do well, and so hey, that could yeah. be a segment. Honestly, too long. Didn't read. Uh, apparently, we're getting more details about Solo and essentially hypotheses uh, as to why it did not do as well in the theaters. And one of the things that came out is that Disney apparently refused to release Solo in December, even though we knew that Solo was going through a whole bunch of reshoots and they dropped two directors late last year, in which case um, they had to do a whole bunch of reshoots and like the story changed and all that shit. So apparently Disney, you know, because they own pretty much fucking everything too, they decided to say, hey, you'll get as much money as you need and as much time as you need as long as you release the movie by May 25th. And that's cool and all. So apparently that that is a hypothesis for the reason why it did not do as well. They wanted to push the movie back, get some, you know, finer layers on it, I guess you'd say, and also be able to market it more. One of the bigger things is that apparently Disney also did not want to market Solo as much because they had a big movie coming out this summer. Anyone know what this big movie is? Any, any guesses? Yeah, it's motherfucking Infinity Wars, man. Infinity Wars came out in early 
or late rather April and Disney was pushing that shit real hard it obviously has broken a shit ton of records it's made, some, made the most money around the world to date for a movie this year and their other enterprise was essentially battling against itself because Disney owned Lucasfilms and Lucasfilms was not allowed to advertise it as well well Solo came out a month later, but that's not a lot of time to advertise it when they've been advertising Infinity War since fucking last, literally last September, you know? It's crazy shit, yeah. so, I don't well, know. Um, firstly, uh, uh, my apologies to Disney for being unable to usurp my name because Solo <laughs> stays supreme in this building, but in other news, I did not watch Solo myself, even though I am a Donald Glover fan. I just... It didn't look interesting. Dong lover fan. I'm a do- don- don- dong lover, baby. <laughs> dong lover. <laughs> Who told? But oh, regardless, um, if you watch Thirty Rock and you know that line, that was also Donald Glover. I'm not gonna tell you which episode, but regardless, uh, I didn't watch it, and I'm a fan, and that's because it was unnecessary. I think that if anyone, he was. Uh, Harrison Ford's already the perfect embodiment of the character, and so to create a prequel where it's not necessary, it's like if they made an epilogue to Harry Potter with different characters, and you're like, well, I get it, but, like, the fuck do I need this for? And so, you know, you could just keep it there. So I think if they had focused on Lando, if this was Lando the movie, then it would have been huge because I think having to obviously Disney's sort of stupidity one in trying to fit this in to what two two weeks after Infinity War which was sort of a given was going to be the biggest movie of all time no April 27th is when it came out and April 10th is when Solo came out so you have not April 10th May 10th May 10th May 10th so you have what all of 13 14 days true and so two weeks literally and so to expect that you couldn't even get a ticket to Infinity War for the first week almost so there's mm-hmm. gonna be a huge spillover into the second week the numbers showed it but all in all I thought it was pretty sad uh, on their part I thought if they had kept the original directors uh, Stephen Ward and Chris Miller who if you're yeah. not familiar with were the creators of the Lego movie and allowed them to do a, an original vision the same way that um, the director for Ant-Man who was uh, what's his name? I want to say Richard Wright but that doesn't sound right. What's that? You're going to give me you're gonna, nope, 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 nope. Why is he in my head? Um, he's the director of Hot Fuzz. Uh, Edgar Wright. Simon Pegg? Edgar Wright. Simon Pegg starred oh, oh. in it. But right, right, right. He's the guy who did Hot Fuzz uh, the the zombie the end movie. Of the world, end of the world and Shaun of Shaun the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. World, uh, World's yeah. End. And so I thought, and Baby Driver, if anyone happened to watch that. But oh, yeah. I thought they, he was initially supposed to do Ant-Man, but apparently his sort of creative elements were diverged too far from what they wanted. I think they want right. a unique vision in their formula, which is what Ragnarok was, which is what Black Panther was to a degree as well. Spider-Man mm-hmm. was to a degree as well. Spider-Man just seemed better because that Michael Heaton as bad guy and had that real cool twist in it. And so he was Birdman anyway. Birdman, exactly. And so uh, it doesn't surprise me. I, I, there's a certain type. Big- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. A certain type of movie that succeeds nowadays, and Alan Alden right as Solo is not it. 
The biggest, I think the biggest takeaway that I forgot to mention about this is just that because of, I guess, the failure, you'd say, of Solo, Lucasfilms has decided, rather Disney has decided to sort of um, put a hold on all of the other spin-off movies that they were planning on, including this potential Boba Fett movie. So they're indefinitely suspended for the time being. The the films, or rather the franchises, focusing on those things created by um, the new series, the new trilogy by Ryan Johnson, also the new series being created by uh, the Double Ds, those guys who made Game of Thrones, in case you're wondering, and other things like that. So, yeah, they're, they're focusing elsewhere because they realize these spinoffs might not be too hot, and hopefully Episode Nine blows people's fucking expectations out of the water. JJ, don't fail me. Please. Thank you, JJ. Thank you. Cheer, cheer, cheer. Cheer, cheer. But now, on to... A little bit of uh, a little bit of Solo's favorite type of news, and you know what that is—that's government legislation against video game <laughs> companies. <laughs> but regardless, and more realistically, uh, this is a, a pretty major story for all intents and purposes. Valve disables CS:GO and Dota 2 item trading in Netherlands. And if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, we had had a segment where it what was the name of it solo toots his own horn i remember <laughs> and because toot the hammer has fallen uh the uh, toot the hammer has fallen but valve uh had to buckle under pressure because if you recall the dutch gaming authority had ruled that the gaming companies had six weeks to resolve uh some of the loot boxes and dutch the Dutch people came down, man. I guess, I guess they're a little upset because they didn't make it to the World Cup, which, I mean, tears, <laughs> but they came down hard. So, basically, they, they, there was, they were going to take legal action if um, Valve had not attempted to resolve it by June 20th. And so, lacking a formal way to resolve the actual issue, they just have to suspend it altogether. It yep. is interesting here now because we're going to go into some specifics, and that's specifically that the Belgian Gaming Commission had also ruled that loot boxes constituted gambling, but the Dutch decision is strictly defined, whereas loot boxes contravene the law if the in-game goods from the loot boxes are transferable, hence the skins in those games, and loot boxes do not contravene the law if the in-game goods from the loot boxes are not transferable, probably why Overwatch dodged the bullet on this one. And so Mm -hmm. the Belgian one's broader. They don't take into account whether it's transferable or not, but at the same time, they didn't give a deadline. I do expect a lot of the other countries in the European Union to take a look at what effect this may have, whether that's... You know, um, investment in Europe from gaming companies, if they're like, oh, we're facing sort of a hostile marketplace the same way here in the U.S., they made really good and fun, easy laws for all these tech companies to be like, we don't want you to go anywhere else, so we'll absorb the blow as it goes along, which, you know, Mm -hmm. EU never does. EU cracks down all the time. And so... Uh, this is definitely not going to be coming to America anytime soon, unfortunately, just because I feel like it would lead to 
and and this is for the ESRB and the ESA in particular because I'm feeling birthday spicy. This is a solution that was not self fucking regulated. It was fucking regulated upon, and so the quicker you do some fucking action that is actually actionable and has a tangible functional difference or effect on anything other than using legal quasi-legal definitions like what constitutes a cage quote unquote if you're not following the fucking political situation but more importantly you know not more important less importantly that's the wrong phrase true less that's importantly true. but also now separately rather getting into this you guys have proven and it's probably guys probably all guys for the most part have proven that you cannot self-regulate this and so the eu is going to set a good precedent as to how it can be established and i guess the first way to do it is to come down hard to be like well you're not going to take the you're not going to take advantage and then we'll negotiate it's like well fuck off and then we'll negotiate which (laughs) i respect that i respect that as a uh, negotiation strategy so my applaud to you dutch government and my tears for you the world cup's pretty fun this year hey it's looking pretty good Uh, i'm impressed that they got they got action like you said they have actionable results and just seeing what's going to happen and how other people follow suit. Those dominoes we were talking about many episodes ago. Mm. We'll see uh, how they all fall. They are continuing to fall. Yes, yes. We're going to see how they fall. All right, let's switch gears again. Going from Solo's favorite topic of legalese to those fans of esports. And some good news, potentially, in case you're a fan of what you see in the Overwatch League. Activision has announced plans of team sales for Call of Duty League later this year. Activision and Blizzard have set their sights on bigger esports. Um, bigger esports sites, I guess you'd say. So their flagship FPS, which would be considered Overwatch right now, it's the first one that they did, is now going to be expanding, like I just said, to Call of Duty. And the Call of Duty is launching team sales later this year. The professional league is probably going to be a world league, similar to what Overwatch is trying to do with the teams in the United States and the teams in Shanghai and all that stuff. So that's pretty cool. But this is all coming out of the financial report, which was published back in April, and the important line is that um, Activision does not, well, sorry, Activision has said in the report that our expertise launching and growing the Overwatch League will allow us to launch additional professional esports initiatives. So while that is not necessarily an announcement, it is definitely alluding to the fact that they are trying to start up new franchises and all sites are set on Call of Duty, which just makes sense. Mm. So... Expect to see something along the lines of Overwatch with Call of Duty, and if Overwatch is any so any barometer for the success, um, Overwatch is actually expanding in season two. Six extra teams. They're adding six extra teams to the league, so they're not doing bad. And with the price points, you had to pay twenty fucking million to own a team, and now it's forty fucking million. Like with the price points going up in Overwatch and people still buying in, you can understand how big that's going to get. Now, introduce Call of Duty, different style of gameplay, you know, different actions, different mechanics, that kind of stuff. It, it could be really, really huge. It's really cool. I also am wondering if they're going to cannibalize each other. That's just my thought. You know, viewership going back and forth. So. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to what extent viewers can handle leagues or if it can just be an infinite amount because each are going to fall into their own niche segments but right because yeah exactly you got overwatch fans who are not necessarily call of duty fans and vice versa exactly so so. there's always a marketplace but 
the 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 major thing as as always for a lot of these games is how do you convert players into viewers or casual viewers into players into continual mm-hmm. viewers so yeah the cycle yeah, yeah, is forever point. when it comes the to the cycle this is forever and i think it raises another question which will lead into the next topic of how much is too much you and know what I'm saying? speaking of how much is too much the world health organization has decided to include a gaming disorder in its 11th international compendium of diseases it is a little I want to say potentially ridiculous that they claim that gaming 20 hours and up per week is evidence of a gaming addiction. As you probably know as fans, the industry sort of went up in arms at the uh, diagnosis. Uh, basically, uh, most of the trade bodies arguing that it will create a moral panic and lead to abusive diagnosis. And so they also co- urged the WHO to cons- reconsider given the mounting evidence against this decision. I don't know. I think I, I think a lot of people who were on Twitter were responding with something to the extent that, well, I play video games more than 20 hours a week, but I'm not addicted. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I get that to the degree, but at the same time, your career is to be a gamer. So for you to be doing more than 20 hours, you're basically putting in work time all you know to a to a to, right. to an extent and so to say that hey i play more than 20 hours and we all play more than 20 hours which i'm sure i'm sure there's been weeks that we play way more than 20 hours a game absolutely and so yeah, like for sure but it's not but it's also an understanding that same thing with the loot boxes which is there is a potential for addiction for these games and so would i argue that fortnite is addictive yeah is it fortnite's fault no, but at the same time, this gets into the full circle of should anything ever be considered anything, which is like... Right, where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? Let's... Like, yo, is it addiction? So if you're saying like, okay, then if someone's addicted to gambling or addicted to alcohol, what are you, are you treating the addiction to the substance or are you treating the addiction in and, of, in and of itself? Therefore, what the actual disorder is, is moot and moot being pointless because... Therefore, no, you know, at the same time, I think it's fair to open up that conversation to be like, hey, we're we're increasingly moving into a digital world. And if if social media has taught us anything, it's that maybe human beings may not know how to limit themselves when it comes to certain forms of media. And so dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. What? Uh-huh. Lambo. And if <laughs> if that's the case, then there's a potential. If I'm going to say social media is potentially addictive and harmful for you, I'm going to say gaming is particularly uh, potentially addictive and harmful for you. I think World of Warcraft had its fair share of people who were negatively addicted. And mm-hmm. to also understand, like, yo, gaming is a part of life, and gaming can be your life if that's like your profession. But at the same time. I don't think I think it's I think this is the wrong way to handle it by the World Health Organization to call it a disease already and to not really have a solid amount of evidence to back it up. It seems right. like right, right. they used a sort of trendy thing that they could stick in to create the sort of media firestorm. I think it Hey. 
The conversation is good, though. Keep going. The keep question going. is, would you have heard of this international companion diseases unless they use gaming disorders? Was there an element of shock value wanted by introducing this without having a bulk of years of research as they normally would with other things? I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. Maybe not. You never know. But I think it's an interesting question. I think it's worth the discussion. I think both sides are going about it the wrong way. Therefore, like all things, these days we're going to go in circles, and so expect us to talk about it again. <laughs> I would say, uh, as far as addiction goes, like what do you, uh, what would you consider addiction? Because in my opinion, addiction would be, yes, I love video games. Yes, I play video games probably close to twenty hours a week. However, I don't think it affects my job. It doesn't affect what I want to do. It doesn't affect my other hobbies. Hobbies. I can't even speak hobbies. It just happens to be one. And um, it's when, like, you hear about those people, like, you're bringing up World of Warcraft. Those people that played for literally 30 hours straight and then died. That is an addiction. Those people Mm -hmm. who gave up their jobs and took their money that they should have spent for food and instead bought video games with them. Fortnite skins. Exactly, bought Fortnite skins, but whatever the case is, right? Those were those gambling addicts who take their first paycheck and go straight to the tables. That's what a video game addiction is. It's detrimental to your living being. However, yeah. if you're a person you who likes to come that? home, well, that's it's detrimental and like you don't live a, as but, a functional and human I, and being. I, and, I, and I do not believe the who accurately use that sort of proper terminology to create that discussion where I agree. Right, that's my, I agree. That's my I, exact definition where gaming is addictive and harmful once it becomes detrimental being the word exact word you use to your actual life, whatever yeah. that may be. So there's a chance 20 hours is a bad thing, but at the same time, a good analogy is where if someone was reading a book for 20 hours, would you say the same thing? Dude, right? Exactly. Like, what are you doing? If you, but if at you the same really time, I will say reading and playing games are different. So I would, I, uh, let, 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 I, I'm sorry the, to say that. Time on time consuming. A, we're speaking yeah. of, hey, 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 we're going to get to after <laughs> our next article. This last article. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we've we've given them too much time already. The who? Fuck you. <laughs> First fuck of all, you. I'm just upset about you. But moving on. Um, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> in this this particular article, Shout that we're gonna wrap up with <laughs> Irish. Damn Irish guys. Uh, our last article, and to the surprise of no one, follows the topic of a company looking to monetize more of their game. Surprise, surprise, but it is Psionics and Rocket League, and Rocket League has taken a page out of Fortnite and PUBG's book in that they are releasing a Rocket Pass for 10 bucks, which is a ticket to a season of cosmetic unlocks. If you've ever played Fortnite or PUBG, you know you can buy the Battle Pass or the War Royale Pass, as it's called in PUBG now, and this pass allows you to essentially do challenges and stuff in Fortnite and PUBG to earn cosmetic items and little upgrades and emotes in, in Fortnite and shit like that, and those are yours to keep for the season. You have different challenges. Rocket League is not enforcing challenges, but they will have, I guess, progression-based skins and other rewards you can earn throughout the season. Right now, they're aiming for 100 hours in the season, and it is going to... uh, Yeah, there's going to be... It's 100 hours in a season, and the season is going to last approximately three months or so, but you're going to be able to earn skins, and these skins you get to keep, and it's just funny because you can earn skins and keys... The keys can also pay for new battle passes the same way V-Bucks and Fortnite allow you to pay for more battle passes. So they're going to allow you to complete 
I guess just weeks and weeks of play, get to the hundred hours, get more keys. You can pay for the next season ticket with the keys that you earned in game. Same way Fortnite allows you to do that. So once you invest ten bucks, as long as you invest the time, you'll probably be able to like continuously get those cosmetic items. Mm. Um, I rambled on a bit about that, but yeah, more money, more money for players, more money for rather not more money for players, more money for the publisher, mm-hmm. more money for them, finding a different way to monetize and get the most out of their consumer. So yeah, yeah, surprise, yeah. surprise, and uh, I don't know. Now that's that's what we got to wrap up quick scope. E, e, e. And now so now it is time for the. Inaugural book club, book club, book club, book club, book club. And I'm going to hit him with the... Because I don't have anything else for you, so you get the Aduken. Yeah, I was wondering, like, a page turning yeah, or some exactly. shit like no, that. I, I uh, wish I had. I, I would have done the... It's a library. Exactly. That kind of shit. Money counter <laughs> like, from... Cool. But... All right. Uh, I do need to get that one, too. But we are going to be covering... We will. Take it away. Give us the intro uh, on it. So this is going to be interesting because uh yeah we're essentially going to give you our shout out of our favorite chapters of blood sweat and pixels top three, now top this three. is yeah top three this is interesting because blood sweat and pixels was outlined in such a way that um jason schreier went through and had interviews over the course of two years from 2015 to 2017 with about 100 or so executives and uh designers and you know just employees of these big game industry companies and he says that those people in quotes in the book those are the people that actually didn't mind not being not anonymous those other ones and other conclusions he draw he drew rather were from people who wanted to remain anonymous but it's all based around all the interviews he did over the course of two years and he covered about 11 different games so Sol and i like i said talked about are going to talk about three of our favorite chapters each so we're probably going to cover six i think different games in uh, <laughs> six different games that are covered in the book so with that being said oh well we're going to cover the games, and then I feel like we're going to give a, a star review. Five star Lilo's review, four star, three star, two star, one. Where I'm recording, I just I just messaged Lilo quietly to say, <laughs> it's so hot to hear. Because where I'm recording, <laughs> it's like a fucking sauna right now, and I can't turn on the air conditioner. You can see sheens of sweat. Sheens yeah. of sweat on I'm his face. I'm slowly just, great. like, melting He's away, melting. but it doesn't matter. I feel I'm getting a workout in, so uh, yeah. that was about correct. A sauna, baby. It was really good writing, and... It is pretty rare to find that sort of good long-form uh, writing on video games, and in particular, focused on this development cycle. And we thought, with E3 coming up, a lot of the stories mention how a number of the developers on these teams ended up having to crunch. A phrase, if you're not familiar with, means working a shit ton of hours for <laughs> lack yeah, of a man. more eloquent way to put it, and trying to just bust that shit out and be like, all right, we got to make it. The deadline's there, and you don't really have an option of not getting it out there. E3 mm-hmm. being an example of that, where if you got to show your game there, well, you, you, you got sh- to show it. And so the lengths that they go to to create showable demos or to create standalone demos or just what goes into like a brutal look at video game development like a lot of people could read this could go could could read this and be like i I don't want to go into game development and other people would be like hey that that's part of the game and so right that's exactly that's what makes it exciting yeah take us uh take us through your first the first 
chapter that you want to talk about and that really well, the question is do you want to go three to do you have yours ranked the three that you chose or no uh, I, I don't have them ranked i think i figured we'd just go back and forth no i just want to see if they were about, ranked so that way i could do my rollout in a different way so did you rank them you I, ranked your shit i mean i i, I ranked them. I mean, yeah yeah for me it was ranked for me it was rankable you know to a degree all right well i mean these are these like okay. Okay, well first, in, in first, first, I'm gonna go with Destiny before I go okay. with my. I'm gonna All do right. my top one last because my if I don't have them ranked, I have a top one that stands out. Would be a, right. a more accurate I, way to describe it. And so, okay. Destiny is the game that I chose because. Fuck Bungie. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We know. Uh, we know who Bungie is. We know Bungie. Bungie is they who created the original Halos, uh, and then. Uh, if you read the book, ended up parting ways in a fit because, as we mentioned in our little uh, chat before the show, Lilo and I, pride always comes cometh before the fall, and that was the case with Bungie. <laughs> and hey, 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 I didn't fall that hard though. I'll be honest. It's they not did terrible. not fall that hard, but at the same time, the same team that sort of made up the core element of the Bungie team that left Microsoft and mm-hmm. sort of went and created the Destiny team. Like, they got decimated. The amount of people lost their jobs, and the way they went about making the game, it, it, in a hap, not haphazard way, because that wasn't the case, but it was sort of like this loosely defined thing where they literally ended up firing someone on the team who, requ- who ended up putting together a clip of the story they had developed. Uh, I'm going to... I should have written his name down, which I didn't, but it, it was a part of the team mm-hmm. who put together a clip of the storylines. He's like, yo, this doesn't make any sense. And instead of the team coming together, which I'm just going to shovel in my honorary mention, Diablo 3, the way another team on another story does to see, hey, look at our product, look at it in the face, look at how bad it is, let's come together and fix it. They sort of panicked. And to the degree that they were trying to make a sequel to... Halo, or not they like ended a sequel. Up making a sequel. Yeah, yeah. they ended up making ended a up sequel, making but having to make a follow-up the would be a better word. A follow-up to Halo in any form of game, which Halo being like the biggest game of all time when it was like, pop, like at that time, you know? Oh, for and sure. So yeah, for sure. That level of momentum, like I, I would have thought, they, they thought they were gods, and I think when they went into this, it was a mix of hubris and just increasing the scale of what they wanted to the degree that it became unattainable and mm-hmm. then having to sort of just reconfigure last minute shit and I think even this is just Destiny 1, Destiny 2 didn't even have that same sort of cycle process but they also had a few flaws like a few bumps in the road <laughs> I, I do think some funny things that Jason mentioned that I've people should hear about if they didn't follow destiny like i was a huge fan of destiny i played fucking everything that they had um i stopped after a certain point but destiny started out and this is when peter dinklage was huge he was actually the voice of the ghost in case you didn't know that and he was one of the guys he was literally doing the only talking throughout the show but what was interesting is that bungie's vision of destiny was so convoluted and like solo was saying the story was so fucked up that when they had him recording they didn't even know the lines how they'd fit in this story they didn't understand what he was trying to say he was just saying dialogue and so when people commented when the game came out about how his voice felt flat and how it didn't really lead into the story well 
it's fucking hard for an actor to try to give voice to something when he doesn't understand the vision of the future. And Benji didn't understand that either. A uh, big thing happened where... Good uh, no, finish, finish, finish. I was going to say a big thing happened where they actually had to introduce a patch into the game, a huge fucking patch, where they got a different voice actor to come through and literally read over every single line that Peter Dinklage did. He was effectively scrubbed from the game completely. They had new voice actors for all their characters once they isolated what their actual story was going to be, and they had to introduce a whole bunch of patches. It was an iterative process, and eventually Bungie started releasing the DLC, and that's when people actually thought they got the game right. They did what they should have done in the beginning, had a cohesive vision, and The Taken King, which is their third and final DLC for Destiny, uh, got rave reviews and was great. Introduced a whole bunch of new mechanics in the game that should have been there in the first place, and uh, it took them, you know, a couple years after they actually launched the game to get the shit, shit right, so... It sucks. Yeah. You had so lofty expectations. Huge expectations. Probably insurmountable really after the fucking hype of halo and jason paints that picture of sort of yeah not necessarily the downfall but paints a picture of how difficult it was for the studio to actually fill that void his name was james Staten. there you go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay i got gotcha. you and after seeing his uh super cut they decided to rewrite the entire story delay the game and then there's little quotes like we were putting together a Frankenstein monster of a story, and so dude, it was awful. It, it was it, fucking awful. It didn't even make sense. It, like it, that was my brother and I played. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. No, no, but no continue. I'm just so you, but you're more familiar with it. No, I played that shit, and like my brother and I, one of the first things we did after we beat the game was like. What was the story? Like, there was no story. You got to the end, and you didn't even know what lore you were in. All these other games that had, like, all the other shooter games, even fucking Call of Duty and, like, Battlefield and all that shit. You understand the lore? You understand your character? You understand his motivation? You had none of that. Zero. Zip. Nada. And so, you know, they literally did not map out what game they were making. They just kept yeah, talking about it. At no point did someone sit down. And one of the guys, uh, I should have should mentioned his name too, ended up getting fired early because he asked a bunch of questions about the game. The hard, the questions, hard questions. The hard questions. And yeah. they were not able to answer those questions. And so by getting into a $500 million deal with Activision, which we failed to mention, they had the money, but they did not have the ability to really put it together. And so... It was pretty crazy to see that they got rid of a lot of people on the team that was putting together the games. And so Destiny was everything wrong with Destiny. If you're a fan of Destiny or if you criticize Destiny for being as shitty as it is uh, or shittily run as it is, if not a shitty game per se, can be related to the way that uh, the way that the company operates, because operations is important to the way a product comes out but that okay so mm-hmm. now, now i'm rambling because we're already at 42 minutes and so i think we may even just have to oh, cut shit. the birthday special <laughs> no no we ain't cutting the birthday or, special we'll or. just I, i'm giving her highlights i'm just gonna do let's just do two each two each two all right the first one i'm gonna cover and it's gonna be super quick because it's just my remark of this is an insight that i had no idea in case you're wondering stardew valley if you never heard of the game you should check it out it is a great 
great successor, you would say, to Harvest Moon, okay? This guy, Eric Barone, he showed how it was done. And the best part about this story that Jason covered is that Eric Barone was a solo developer. He literally made fucking Stardew Valley completely by himself. He made all the art. He made all the music. He made all the vis- like uh, the visuals, the gameplay mechanics. He wrote the code. He put everything in there. And he did it all like just in the comfort of his own home. And he had a wonderful girlfriend. And I think... The biggest thing to me about this story is that it is possible for you to make a game, but Jason does a very eloquent job of highlighting Eric's struggles over fucking like five and a half years of dedicating his time to this game. He highlights Eric's struggles of going up and down of loneliness, of relationship struggles because he had a girlfriend and a fiance and a wife at the time. Yeah, like supported him 100%. And it's in, it's incredibly rare to find someone who's willing to f- let you do your dreams when he was not bringing any money. He had no money. The dude had to stop and make a mobile game just because he was playing his own game so often, doing being his own dev tester, being his own like bug tester, being his own whatever, whatever. He was doing all of it, right? You get so burnt out. Think about what you do for a month straight. You go to work. You hate doing the same shit every day. This guy did it for five years. Five years. Straight. Took a couple breaks in between. But that's about it. Came back. Um, you, you read about the sacrifice, the atypical nature of his story, and the grind. And the biggest thing is the fucking grind of this process. How video games can wear on the soul. And even afterwards, the biggest thing, I think, is like, dude, this guy released his game. He did a very great job, Eric, of uh, keeping... he interacted with his fans he kept them updated with his process you know he essentially had a lot of uh, publicity and exposure but when the game was released he fucking it sold like hotcakes he made like he looked at his bank account and saw 20 million dollars one day and he's like what the fuck happened he wasn't even happy like he actually wasn't even happy he said he looked at that money and he legitimately was not happy about it because it didn't change anything like he was already sick of the game when he released it he was like i put in so much time and effort i just wanted it to be done exactly then because he made promises to his people he had to go back and add more features including the stardew valley multiplayer feature which you actually has just released actually we covered that a couple weeks ago but it just released and you're able to uh go around and start farming with your buddies but he was doing that and like i don't know it's insane to me that one man did all that fucking work for five years but the five years to make 20 million dollars like i think a lot of people would make that trade you don't realize how long five years is but it also is it mm-hmm. goes through in a blink of an eye this guy, unless, unless you unless you dedicate yourself something in which case the five right. years that do go by like that are filled with stuff so right, that's the way right. you do it and like they were filled with shit Hey, it was sick. I'm I'm a I'm not surprised that so much could be done by someone working One man. solo, if you may. <laughs> but regardless, uh, it was a cool story. Uh, there's a great profile of him in GQ as well. If you ever want to read, Eric Barone is his name. So I'm going to use my next story, which is sort of random, and Lilo was a bit amused. He doesn't know why I chose. The Witcher it just 3, didn't make sense to me. and the yeah. little quote I put next to it, just as a quick description, was, this is a miracle story, and so I'm going to explain that in... We're all about miracle runs, baby. Miracle, miracle runs. runs. <laughs> FIFA 06 for the win. World Cup, World Cup. But World Cup? I, I, I have to look at not The Witcher 3, which I've, I've actually, if I'm being legitimately honest, have never played, but <laughs> specifically... The fact that CD Projekt, the company behind it, 
and the way that their company came into existence. If you're not familiar with story, if you haven't read the book, and if you're still a listener, they are based in Poland, and they initially began their company as a uh, translator company, which would release Western video games into Polish and release them in Poland. This was after the fall of communism uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, and so that is what the company started with, just importing games and selling them, importing games and selling them while just changing them to Polish. And so then one day they decided, hey, we're going to try to create our own game. And so they turned a business into then a gaming company. And then they took the gaming company. A creative enterprise, man. Creative enterprise. Creative enterprise. And so they had initially ended up trying to create a game uh, that was far different than The Witcher. I think it was based on... uh, Code. They were work a PC version of Baldur, uh, a PC sequel to Baldur's Gate, which is one of the games they're famous for, and they are they're famous for in Poland for translating, and so uh, that ended up becoming The Witcher, and then The Witcher Two as well, which was just sort of a random. Neither game really hit into a sense that to be like as massive as you would expect until. Out of nowhere, you. This is a borderline independent company that was like, "Hey, we're we're gonna make one of the highest rated and most critically acclaimed games of all time, and people are gonna love it." And they, and if you go into the detail with which they made it, the detail with which they wrote the missions, like I was, I was ready to go buy a copy of Witcher Three as I was reading it to be like, "Dude, I have it. The, it's this making me want to play the, it." The care that went into that creation of that game. The texture of the game, the the story, everything. The lore, yeah, exactly. It, it was incredible. And so, and then to see a company that was just like, well, we're, we're just going to do this. And then they killed it. And then not only did they kill it, if you were watching E3 this year, people lost their shit over a little game called Cyberpunk 2020. Do you know who's making 2077. 2077. 2077. Oh, excuse me, 2077. Yeah. And do you know who is behind that? CD Projekt. Right. It's the same yep. company that made The Witcher 3. And so the same company. So and that's what I'm talking about. The way that they did one from little company that was like, yo, back in the day. And this was one of my favorite parts. And I remember this very specifically from the book. And that's why it stood out to me so much, which was they were talking about when they were in Poland and games used to come in. And this was when they were, in, they were still under communism. So the gaming was still in a, to a certain degree under a black market. Everyone would pirate the games. And so when they were starting to bring the games from America, for when, when communism fell and they started being able to sell the games, which America, capitalism. But when they were able to start selling the games, they had to figure out a way to give the consumer something so that it would be a reason not to uh, pirate it. And mm-hmm. for the original Witcher and the games that they were doing, they were putting in little packages of stuff, little additions, etc., so that people would come in and actually buy the game. And with The Witcher 3, they put that same sort of focus into the development of a game to be like, what would you... Make the quality, man. Make the quality and the quality. people will come. And, yep. and, the, and that's been the PLG motto since day one. And the same <laughs> and the same way that you see it. And then you see the result in a company like this. And to now see them, and to see that, hey, it's not even a, a one-off stunt. Like, they're pushing it now to the next level. Like, Cyberpunk 2077 looks wild. 
And so it looks fucking crazy. And when that and comes if you think out, about the details, oh man, the details. And when that comes out, it's going to push the push it to the next level. And so, and this all started from a little company that was like, "Yo, we're just going to sell translated games." And, and so we could do it better. And they decided they could do it better. And as that's they exactly said in Prometheus, big things have small beginnings. Small beginnings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all right. I like it. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. That's a very that's a good story. I get where you're taking it from, and uh, there are parallels. I yeah. see many <laughs> parallels. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's close this up because we're running out of time. I definitely want to get to the solo interview, but we're, I'm going to close it up with a story about another franchise that we might know and love. AKA, it's funny how we had two things related to the same thing, but it's uh, Halo Wars. And Halo Wars is unique in that, yes, it is related to the Halo franchise and Bungie as a whole, but it was created by Ensemble Studios. Okay, so Ensemble Studios is the studio that made Age of Empires and Age of Empires 2 and all those expansions that came along with it. Very, very famous in the real-time strategy realm. So Halo Wars, being the game that it is and being made by a company that's famous for RTS, is made in an RTS. And the special thing about Halo Wars is that it came out on console. It was one of the first RTS on console, real-time strategy games on console. And um, I think what caught my eye about this whole process is just how, how difficult it was for Ensemble to actually make Halo Wars. So if you think about it, Ensemble started out making an RTS, Age of Empires. They made so much money and did so well that they could go into more games and create other things, right? They got so popular that Microsoft bought them out, so they now had a studio greenlighting all of their projects, being like, hey, yo, make this shit, you make quality, this is great. They decided that they wanted to do three separate projects. One of them was Titan. It was going to be an MMO that they hadn't decided yet on what they were gonna do. Another one was gonna be Nova. It was gonna be an action RPG. And this third one was called Phoenix, and Phoenix was the console real-time strategy game. These guys are going through it. The hardest part, apparently, is trying to get a controller scheme. They've never ever ported over real-time strategy mechanics on a computer with mouse and keyboard to a controller, so what they do, they spend like the first six months prototyping that shit. I didn't realize how difficult that would be, but if you think about making games now, especially on the, if you know you're gonna make a game for PC, then you know the controller scheme already. You got buttons and mouse, point and shoot, great. If you're playing on a controller, you, everyone's mapped the same way. If you're doing an action RPG, a third person, you know left the left controller is going to be moving forward, backward, left, and right. The right controller is going to be doing something else, probably looking around. But with a real-time strategy that's top-down, you have to make something new. You have to make a controller scheme. And it was hard for them to figure out what to do, so they had to prototype a whole bunch of shit. That's just one small part of the story. What was interesting is that, dude, these guys had their own vision, but the only problem with that is that it needs to get okayed by Mama Bear and Papa Bear being Microsoft. They fucking got the hammer thrown at them and Microsoft said, we're not gonna green light any of your projects, you have to make it Halo based, okay? That's step one. So they essentially had to take their Phoenix idea and they already made all this art and fucking got slammed with, all right, we're gonna make a Halo base. They go back to square one. They start making a Halo console based RTS. Great. The next thing they had to deal with was fucking Bungie. Imagine creating an IP, something that you love dearly, something that's yours, and then getting fucking, I guess, struck out of the blue and told that you have to share information with this studio that's going to be using your IP. That's kind of a blow to both people. You're not really wanting to work with the people that are original creators, and then those original creators are not, obviously, not going to be as receptive to the new guys, not 
helpful. All of this led to internal strife and difficulty in making the game, but it eventually... Uh, what ended up happening is that, yes, Halo Wars obviously was made, and Halo Wars 2 was obviously made, but it led to uh, Microsoft deciding to close down Ensemble Studios because of the difficulty of the whole process, and I fucking, I glossed over that whole shit, but it was crazy to me, like, to think about a studio that had 14 years of history, right, was bought out by Microsoft, and then they ended five years later. Like, it was just crazy to me. Like, it doesn't surprise me. Um, you have restrictions on you, right? And then all of a sudden, your whole vision for the future just fucking dies. I'll be honest. And it's just, it's the just insane. The most ridiculous part of all that was how Ensemble had ended up dividing their studio to work on games that no one had greenlit, but that they thought were good ideas, like a Halo MMO. Three. Like, Three I, separate I was like, games. like, really? Like, who's in... And, and yeah, it always right? comes down to bad management. That's literally it. Bad like, management and operations <laughs> is the death of a company, and it happened on Ensemble. It happened to Bungie during the Destiny development. It happened to a whole lot of games during that development cycle, but it didn't happen to projects like uh, The Witcher. It didn't happen to The Seed Shovel Project, Knight. Yeah. A lot of the other games that they covered. So, that's a lesson. If your company ain't run right, your shit ain't gonna smell right. <laughs> Alright, um, so as we close this up, yo, what is your overall rating of the book? Out of five stars, what would you give it? I get four. Four. Four and a half. Yeah. Nah, four and a half? Four. Four. Solid. four. Four, just four, just because. Nah, four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was gonna go. Are lower. You sure? I was gonna go lower, but sure? at the same time, in terms of games that actually cover that topic and are in written in a similar accessible manner, I have to give it a four. Mm-hmm. But I can't give it a yeah. four and a half because it's not written. Well, it ain't that, it ain't right. that shit. Okay. So I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, that's exactly my rating. I would give it a four as well, and it's what I gave it on Goodreads. But by all means, let us know if your opinion differs than ours. If you think it should be a three, fucking let us know. If you think it should be a five, let us know. Like whatever the case is, if you think it's fucking awful. Let us know. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, we found it wonderful, and hope you liked our inaugural book review. But we are now going to the most highly anticipated ep- part of the episode that you've been waiting for for the past uh, 50 plus minutes yeah. and that is Which? the solo special the so 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 how this is going to run is I'm going to be giving solo some questions and he's going to ramble on the way he does best about his feelings about them about his thoughts about them about just his ideas and anything that strikes his fancy really because we're here to learn more about him I am obviously going to taper the conversation in a certain direction if I feel he's going too far in one direction because he tends to do that but uh, with that being said I'm going to give him a softball so solo because we want the people to know who you are first question is let me know not let me know i might actually already know but let the people know what is your favorite gaming genre i am batman um i <laughs> want to say action rpg I, yeah. shooter like you got like real-time strategy you obviously have horror games you got like platformers whatever what, what do you think brawlers like super smash party games like i want to say party. action adventure because I, I feel like i tend to like games that, that fall within a sort of agile gameplay where you're like say the rock steady batmans where you're always fighting like the way that 
uh, the early Assassin's Creed or set up by Assassin's Creed 2 is my favorite. That's it. And so like action RPGs yeah. and then like ones that you're playing God of War right now. It's yeah. like God of War. Yeah, I love it. I'm loving God of War still so far. I'm, I don't know how many hours it, but I give it a 10 out of 10 so far. I'm going to get a way more detailed <laughs> review of it coming up, but it, it, it's a lot good. In five months. Remember? In five, in five months. months. In five months. Because I, apparently I, I thought I was like really far into the game, but apparently I'm not. <laughs> Whoops. You just invested. Dude, time goes slow when you're having fun. That's what they say, right? That's totally not what they say, exactly. but that's what they oh, say. it's 2 a.m. <laughs> but... Yeah. Uh, it's not shooters? It's really not shooters? I really would have thought. I, like, I, I would say yes. I, I mean, I do fucking love Halo, but I mean... There hasn't been a first-person shooter in a while. I want to say Overwatch fell close because I liked how okay. it sort of worked on the formula a little bit away from just a traditional, just, I took, I don't like Call of Duty. I don't like, oh, I have this traditional gun, I'm going to go shoot you down. I like a game, I like shooters that give you a little bit of battle that, you, you know. Okay. And they give you a fighting chance, like you can reverse people. Yeah, which is what combat is, which is like, if I'm running and someone shoots me from behind in Call of Duty, I'm dead. If someone shoots me from behind in Halo or Overwatch, well, shit, you better be able to kill me, otherwise you're going to get rocked, because, you know. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But, you know, that's not really the case anymore. Overwatch sucks now. Overwatch competitive is garbage. Whoa. Whoa. Let's back up, okay? Season ten, I haven't even played. Season 10 is just garbage. I don't like the Dude, meta anymore. Dude, you're saying season 10 is garbage. You haven't even played. This is... Uh, we we will be playing trash games. I can't help you. <laughs> I be carrying your ass out of fucking bronze. That's what I be I doing. Don't, don't forget it. I have not touched, don't forget I have not touched Overwatch since then. And, yeah, exactly. Because uh, you know. Yeah, and so you know. Over, Overwatch got boring, and uh, maybe a new Halo may fix it. But in the meanwhile, everyone's okay. so focused on Battle Royale, I, they don't realize a good FPS might be able to spring people into interest. I gotcha. I mean, I mean, Fortnite is a shooter for sure, but like, it's not a first-person shooter. It's a third-person. I get it, I get it. All right. So it's not shooters. It is action RPGs. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I'll put a tie. I'll put a tie and, between those two. It's... To be expected, I think we're in the same boat yeah. with what I like as well, so that's pretty cool. Uh, let's go to question number two. What, well, it's really just remind everybody what you said last week of what is your most anticipated game of 2018 or 2019 or the future following E3? Spider-Man. And Spider-Man? Spider-Man? No. Kingdom Hearts, yeah. obviously. Oh, see, like it could, it could be one of three things. I was thinking in my head, Red it was either Spider-Man for you, Red Dead, exactly, yeah. or King Red of Hearts. Dead's, Red so. Dead's up there. Red Dead, Red Dead is in my top five. If we're talking about you, just CD Projekt, fucking giving the details and attributing themselves to details. I think we all know that Grand Theft Auto V had a fuck ton of details and a lot of gloss and a lot of, sorry, fine polish you'd say. A lot of fine polish to the game so you can expect the same thing from uh, Rockstar Games Rockstar and fucking Red magicians. Dead. Dude, they are and it's the, I think it's that same formula. You put in love and care and affection into a game and it fucking shows. Yeah. You give people details and it shows. So. Alright, Spider-Man. Have you watched the gameplay? Have you watched anything like that? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I thought Spider-Man 2 was just such an incredible version of Spider-Man, which was an open-world, basically, Spider-Man game. And mm -hmm. the gameplay has it. It's a bit more arcadey than I had expected. But at the same time, I want to just play it and get a feel for it because viewing it is cool, but playing it is 
going to Abba. That's true. And also, we should probably stop looking at it just because we might know how the game plays. Like, you could literally watch videos enough to know exactly what to expect when you play the game. So I'd rather... Be surprised. Yeah, that's a good point. I'd rather be surprised. All right. This is a fun one that I think everyone is going to love your rants on. What is the game or franchise that is the most overrated in your non-gaming opinion? Because... <laughs> Mm. If we're going in terms of gaming and not gaming, uh, almost overrated. you have experience. Like, yeah. This might have, you know, take some time, think about it, but don't, like, shoot off the hip. Final Fantasy. Most overrated. Pow! Oh, Boom! Man, that hurts. That Grenade. Shit hurts me. Drop, drop right <laughs> in the middle. Um, uh, okay, go on. Go on. I have to hear you out, too. It's, it's, a, little, it's, a, little, it's a little dangerous <laughs> that I got to that one so quickly because nothing else uh, really stood out. Uh... I just think since, like, Final Fantasy X, you would say, they haven't had relevance. And when did Final Fantasy X come out? Uh, a long fucking time. We were in high school, for sure. I don't I even, played that I, shit. I don't even I know. played like, the shit out of that game. There's two games in, in that saga. Like, I would say Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy VII that were... I guess I, I guess it goes. The argument goes off a little bit because you could argue that their run there included two all-time greats. Therefore, right. it doesn't matter. But I, I don't like just turn-based battles, so I guess I, I'm biased to that degree. Where I'm like, I don't play JRPGs and I don't like turn-based battles. So obviously, my opinion is going to be directed at, at the games yeah, that directly right. fit that mold. Uh, hey, this, this is what it's all about, man. It's just your opinion. <laughs> Uh, I want to say Bungie, but my I mean Ooh. Bungie post they Bungie mean, post Halo One. I I will agree the hype was ridiculous there like, for sure. The hype like, for Destiny was insane. Like yeah, the hype for Destiny was insane. They they buckled under there. Mm, I'm trying to think of any other franchises that come to mind that I'm like well, Bioshock. 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 What? But we're, we're talking about all time greats. But even Bioshock has its... No, 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 Bioshock has no flaws. I take it back. No, it has a lot. But no, no, no. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Final Fantasy for now because... All right, then what... Okay, go ahead, go ahead. It's just boring and it hasn't had any value. All they have up in the pipeline is probably just remakes of their old games. So it's like, you know... They do. I mean, we know that for a fact. 15 was hyped and then it came and went where they used to have... I guess the advantage of having huge games and cool graphics, but that's in every game now when it comes to consoles to a certain degree. Therefore, I I, I agree with you. Like they I mean, lost that the standard. Edge. Standard so, is higher for sure. They're like, yeah, it's like the Jap. <laughs> to to put it in a poor way, they're sort of like the Japanese tech boom of that time period too. The stock was high, and then it crashed, and then it was like, all right, they'll come back eventually. I hear ya. All right, let's 180 that. What's the best franchise of all time, in your opinion? Best gaming franchise of all time? Well, Bioshock, obviously. Bioshock, Bioshock. You, you think every single game was good, though? I think Infinite was fantastic. Three was great. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's where I started, yeah. too. So I was no, like, no. Eh, Bioshock 1 and Bioshock Infinite. Bioshock Infinite, people could have more criticism against because people are, oh, it's fake deep. But simultaneously... I like the story. People may not like the outcome of the story. I liked it. Bioshock 1 is the more important, more profoundly important one in the industry. Started the whole thing, man. Yeah. It was it was weird. It was trippy. It was I was like, what is happening is incredible. right now? It was unique. It was 
it grabbed everything you for in sure. between. And so, especially because I'm I'm a big I'm big on philosophy, and for a lot of games, they don't really imbue what you're doing there with a deeper element or meaning. And so, the same way God of War, that's something that makes me hooked, and it'll be something I touch upon. And it's actually in a story we covered, which is like they just have a way to draw you in more because they're asking you questions that aren't just, the, you know, it's a larger question. Same reason people have movies or books. They're like, oh, that asked me a question that's bigger than, a, it's reflective of something they bigger. They morals. Exactly. They, they affect your morals, they, literally, they make as you think. And so, like, that's why, like, I don't like to watch trash movies, and it's nothing against trash movies. Everyone's allowed to go home and be like, yo, I'm fucking tired today. I want to watch Big Bang Theory, or, yo, I, I'm really, uh, I just want to go watch Deadpool 2. God bless, man. You watch what I, you, you, you eat what you eat, you watch what you watch. I'm not going to judge. But for me, I want to walk out of something and be like, damn, that made me think, like, or that made me ask a question. Of course, I want times where I fuck around and play, you know, something shitty like Overwatch. But the, you know, Bioshock, Halo, Halo's up there too. But just, I mean, all three games are really important, but I, I just will forever have a, I wish I could meet the person who was like, wow, Halo is amazing. You know what we should do for the sequel? Let's take out the fucking pistol. Right. That's it. I want to meet you. I want to meet you, guy or girl. (laughs) (laughs) So come on the show. I just ask you why, why? Who makes these decisions, Lilo? Yeah. Who makes these fucking decisions? Yeah, I I would say those two. Those two are up there, and so this God of War sandal could make a claim to the top five too. TBD. We'll see. We'll see. All right, this uh, brings me to my next question. Episode 100, and God of War review coming. <laughs> yeah, seriously, though. <laughs> All right, uh, this is like, it kind of relates to what we just talked about of what you think is the best franchise of all time, but it doesn't have to, and I don't think it necessarily will for you. What do you think, what game holds the most sentimental value to you? And in, to me, when you asked me the same question, it was like, uh, I brought it back to my childhood. What started me on this shit? And I don't think you necessarily have to, but... What gives you the most memories? What I want is the most nostalgic? What brings you back? It, it depends on which sort of age group because certain games bring me back to certain times. So playing the arcade version of Ninja Turtles or the X-Men mm-hmm. game or the Simpsons bring me back to like my kid childhood more so than say I wasn't a, a Nintendo person, so like I was a Sega kid. So, like, yeah, I played those games, but like I didn't go crazy on Mortal Kombat. I like Sonic, and there's a few other random games. There's a bunch of good Spider-Man games there too. Then you get mm-hmm. to like the next generation, and then it became like I have vivid memories of playing Crash Bandicoot before going to elementary school on PlayStation One, and then it goes to like right. I remember playing like. System link with Xboxes in two rooms with just like eight people just wilding out. Like, we did something like that too when we played just wild in Kingdom uh, Hearts in, in, in the basement. And so, yeah, dude. And so, when 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 those sorts of situations happen to make games social, and that was the first time we we're like, oh shit, there's so many more people here. So, Halo takes the cake in terms of sentimental value because we're just at that. Young, the same age of the kids who are like consuming Fortnite now is how we consumed Halo, which is why I'm like, for sure, yeah, I don't judge that shit. Like we did it too. We just didn't have the more elements of consumption. Like we had red versus blue in Halo, and I was down for both. 
Right. Bow, right. Bow, wow. <laughs> Got our rubber boot. So. All right, that's that's a good point. All right. And then I sort of got That's lost it. on Xbox. I mean, Xbox 360 was a great console. And then for a long time, Xbox, sorry, Microsoft, you guys have lost me. I'm not going to lie. I'm a PlayStation person now. Shout out, Sony. Get out of here. We even said, as soon as fucking Halo Infinite actually has a release date, you're like, yo, I'm getting Xbox One S. Hey, Xbox, hey, hey. Xbox One S or X and whatever the case is. Bandwagon motherfucking yeah, fan. Yeah, you're going to have to prove it when fan. that comes. You have to prove it yeah, when it comes. Oh, oh, guess what? Lilo special. I know where to look back. <laughs> I, I am so back. far off the Microsoft train. Like, peace. Mm-hmm. Peace, peace. Right. Keep denying Fortnite, Sony. I'm with it. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, moving on to another one that I think you'll like that you probably have thought about in the past, but we actually, I don't think we ever touched on this ourselves. But, uh, what franchise do you want to see made into a game? It, it could be any franchise. It could be a book that you've heard. It could be a book that you've heard, rather. book that you fucking read. It could be, like, a story you heard. It could be a movie you've seen. Just what, what I don't do you go think as far to read game? books. I think the back cover is a good explanation of the sum total of its message. So <laughs> I look at the art. Exactly. Yeah. And if, the art on the spine, and that's what I go off of, really. And the know? feeling I get from that art is like, okay, I read it. Yeah. We read. We done. Either got a boner or you don't got a boner. That's what if, it is. It, with, with, that, with that criteria, I've read a whole lot of books. I'm very knowledge. Um, <laughs> but... What do I want to see made into a game? That is a that's actually that's a good question. You're welcome. Uh, you can't say Batman because that's like your go-to for most shit. Like I want to see Batman. Obviously, they fucking made Batman. The Batman already. games have already uh, been made. I'm not gonna lie, those are good. Like they're great. I got no more need for they Batman are, actually, games. Actually, like they're very good. Uh, Arkham Asylum, uh, Arkham uh, City, uh, Arkham whatever. Static Shock. Oh, it's just because of the show? That's a good one. He's a good superhero. Also, it'd be relatively like it, it's Give me more black now. superheroes. Static okay. Shock coming up next. All right. Static Shock. That was relatively out of the blue. I like the black superheroes. I think the gameplay mechanics could be done. Like, I think remember how he flies around on his man- manhole covers? Sorry, go ahead. It's like rumored what? Superman game by the same company that or the same developers that brought you the Batman game would be pretty cool. That's like a rumor out there, so that could be a potential. But you were saying, no way. Oh, uh, I was just like, I'm thinking about how Static Shock would be made. Oh yeah, right? absolutely. What mechanics would be yeah. in there? And just like, I think like you get the jetpack, you know, thing, and it's like you'd be like, <laughs> right? He's got it. He charges up and like he has to charge up at electronic, at electrical places and like whatever. That's pretty cool. All right, yeah. random. But you'd want to see that. You play it. Oh, dude. Would it be like Sly Cooper? Like Sly Cooper-ish? Mm. That art style? Or would it'd it be, be more it, it'd the be new s- Spider-Man? Like like the new Spider-Man? It'd be, basic, or would it'd it be, be like Arkham Asylum? It'd be like the new Spider-Man. Or it have a bit... I want a bit like more... Not Pixar-esque. I'm trying to think of the color palette I'm looking for. But for them, they need a really comic-y feel to it. And I think that would help it sort of like the new amazing spider-man movie that movie looks fucking crazy oh it'd be like borderlands yeah, the, 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 the like spidey verse movie that's exactly what i was thinking about yeah, it wasn't gonna, yeah, yeah like that sort of unique art style would, would would make the game wild and how it would have to be open world yeah i mean obviously open world he's in a fucking city he should be flying Basically. around that's for sure all right Basically, I, 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 right, what else we got here let's do two more because i feel like the listeners are gonna get bored at 120 Nah, I don't. I, oh, okay, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize 
as we were rolling that deep. We're just having a conversation, man. We're just having a conversation. Um, I'm giving you a, a softball question. You've had a long enough time to think about this, but what makes you a gamer? I remember I asked you this in one of the prior episodes, like, what makes a gamer a gamer? But what makes you a gamer? And would you classify yourself as one? Like, you don't actually need to. I would now. I would now. Okay. But at the same time, I think what makes a gamer is something that gamers need to get off their fucking dicks about. Basically. Uh, You need to elaborate on that one. What the fuck are you talking about? A gamer is anyone who cares wants to play about gaming is interested in gaming so i think of someone like my sister so you know is she a gamer she plays video games i'm gonna call her a gamer i play video games i'm a gamer i grew up if i understand the culture therefore i'm a gamer or even if you don't understand the culture you're like i just started playing this i'm a gamer oh i love mobile games all right cool you're a gamer like there's the, right. a gamer just anyone who likes games tabletop mobile console like that definition just needs even to even Facebook Candy Crush even your aunt or your uncle or whoever the fuck <laughs> Yo, plays and, and far, sends you all far, those far invites they're gamers basically Stardew Valley baby hey <laughs> no I know exactly and so, so to that degree I would say yeah I'm a gamer and everyone's a gamer so that's how I expanded that question and that's what I mean that I, I, the industry is too selective about that's sort of concept and it's sort of like the way nerds were about pop culture to be like oh that's our thing and it's like oh the phrase gamer it's like no let's expand it man the people like games everyone likes games you so you know what makes you a gamer if you game that's it if you live True. you play are the game you game are oh, you game what? is you about the game how deep in the game okay. are you all these questions this rolls directly in this is like a uh, this doesn't count as my next question but i just want to know are you a fan of the future of the games if you if there are that many gamers in the world and you know there definitely yes, are yes, as we know the gaming industry is huge are you a fan of the future yes because it, it, it's a really it, i'll put it like this right i hope that we can figure out internet because this is going to be actually a really great answer and that's a great question because the future of games something i think about which is if we could figure out a way to solve internet toxicity, which is something people are real quick to say SJW about, but it, it, it's an actual element where if I go out and I say I'm going to go play pickup ball, play pickup basketball, right? I'm going to end up playing five on five running on a court because there will be a guy waiting there or two people waiting there. I'm like, are you guys next? Can I run with you? Okay. Now two other guys come. Oh, hey, yo, can we run with you? Okay, now we have five. We're five random people. We've never met each other, but now we have the same goal. You learn a lot of lessons in life about sportsmanship and teamwork and sort of life that you could learn the same way you would play in, in, a, in, a, in a video game to be like, you know, when we're trying to work together, you know, there's times where we have to work on our communication and our team building and these sorts of things and those are elements that you then find out in the real world where it's like oh communication is so important like what do they always talk about in every video game analysis of all time was it was a team what good at communicating and so mm-hmm. learning those whether it's out on a court whether it's in a multiplayer game those are avenues that i think are would be really fun and cool to solve and not to solve to see you know that a whole lot mm-hmm. of people can get connected to each other based on things they love and have passion for, but at the same time, 
I worry just because the internet is like a growing cesspool. <laughs> I agree. It is. And opinion. Uh, it's and the blanket of anonymity. Yeah, and, and it's something where, you know, would I? If your kid goes on, and you're like, oh shit, that kid's just gonna play like with some other kids or friends, and it'll be fun time, and it'll be positive. It's like, nah, it's come. You know, someone comes in, just troll, whatever the case is, and they'll always be right. that. But I feel like. These days, it feels more aggressive. Maybe that's because it's Twitter, whatever the it's case more, is. It's more prevalent, but there's just it's because it's so much more ubiquitous. Exactly, and it's so like everywhere that is going to so like that sort of ubiquity will find its place in gamers. I think it'll allow for good and bad, as with all things. I think those yeah. those positives yeah, will be outweighed by I'm not outweighed or maybe measured up against the negatives of exploitative people coming into the industry etc and so I'm optimistic about the future of games because consoles are getting more powerful shit's getting cooler they're understanding how to ele- incorporate drama and narrative far better into games shout out God of War which such a good fucking story and so there you go. You know, so those things make me hopeful. It's whereas other things make me not so hopeful. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. All right, and let's uh, let's wrap it up. Final question: What would you say to the people looking to break into this industry, doing something that they love? You know, pr- when I say "quote unquote" doing something, what would you say to someone else who wants to get into gaming and doesn't know how to do it? Who wants to get into the genre? Who wants to do what we do? You know, what would you say to them? Doing something you love is work. And whoever tells you that doing something you love is never going to be a day's work in their life is probably working for someone else, (laughs) if I'm being honest. (laughs) And so it's tough. It's not easy. And to want to do something that you learn... I feel like anyone can do anything in this world. But at the same time, there's also reality. And with reality becomes the requirement of being realistic or at least, you know, probabilistic to a certain degree about what is a likelihood. So say, if you're my height and you're like, hey, I want to go into the NBA, chances are you're not going to make the NBA. But if my alternative thinking was, hey, I want to be an analyst, I want to be a a commentator, well, there's a route to Mm -hmm. that that you can create. And so I've, as someone who, 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 who... I'm a fan of reverse engineering solutions, which is see where you want to be in, say, five years, because where you're going to want to be in games or in whatever passion that is, is going to take longer than you think it is. And so plan extra time. That's always the case. And so what you think is going to be a year might be two, might be three. But if you love it, that's where the passion comes in. That's where the love comes in. Then the timeline doesn't matter because you're just doing what you love anyway. So if, you know... Tomorrow, next year, we're at the, you know, the Game Awards, presenting awards for games, all the better. But if it happens in two years, whatever. The, que- the point is, we will be at the Game Awards show presenting awards. Then the thing is, but if we love it, we're going to stay with it. And so that's where it really comes in, which is discipline and work have to come and coincide with your passion. And... You know, you, you realize pretty quickly what you really love and what you could sort of treat like a hobby. And if you're really serious about it, make it your 
you know, part-time job and, you know, create fruits of your labor that create a ground that you're like, okay, now I can leave my job, which is one of the stories we left off with Shovel Knights. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to mention them, which was they created, they, they created, they, they were the picturesque story of what gaming development is. We're four dudes, we work at this company, we're going to quit and start our own game, and we're going to call it Shovel Knight, and it's going to be a 2D platform, and boom, we're going to blow up. They did. That doesn't really happen too often. That also has to be taken mm-hmm. into account. And so, you know, there's things outside your, I guess the way to wrap it up control. is there's such things outside your control, but if you love what you do, find a niche. So I'm going to I'm gonna give you a quote to end this. Uh, the, so, <laughs> I, I, and I really love this one. The secret to success in the American capitalistic market is to find a niche and then bring it to the mainstream. So find your niche and then bring it to the mainstream. That's my best advice if you want to get into gaming. What that means, you need to define. All right. And just know it's going to be a lot of work. A whole lot of fucking work. And sometimes you won't even have a person to listen to one episode of a podcast a week for you for advice. And so, therefore... 1A Trace, we're calling you out. (laughs) No, we're kidding. And also, lastly, I just want to end with we're getting a new logo soon, so be excited, guys and girls. Be excited. It's so cool. uh, Hell yeah. Dude, uh, thank you for dropping some knowledge on the listeners and giving them insight into your gaming (laughs) mind, per se. I I, I guess so. I like your question. I I like how we strayed more into the the, the the larger picture questions which I enjoy diving into because Dude, it of gives course. me you're, you're a, yeah, as much as you like to be in the weeds you're a, a big picture softie I'm a layer you're a big I'm a layer picture thinker I'm a layered thinker that's what it is okay okay yeah you're uh, an onion you think the same thing on every level bro no exactly <laughs> same thing on every level I, I do so, I, I, and I, I mean, know what your thoughts we're are gonna, gonna be close off with that metaphor where I'm like oh shit is he really about it oh yes he is oh is he really about it yes he is okay, you keep okay. peeling back it's more like it's all the me is he pessimistic about it yes is he pessimistic about it? oh shit is he? it's more like is he realistic and I'm, he? I'm the optimist here but I'm impressed it's a proven social said. science like being pessimistic is go. a smart way to look at life we sure, survive sure, sure. <laughs> lefties, lefties. Damn lefties. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, with that being said, that wraps up the solo special. Thank you for listening. This episode went a little bit long, but that's because we enjoy talking to yeah. you and we want wanted to make up time for pushing an episode a day back. So you get extra content, See, but ladies that, and gentlemen. Oh, hey, bonus content. content for the extra bonus day. Bonus content. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, uh, uh, unofficial product endorsement, Uniqlo. Uh, be sure to um, go buy the slippers, yeah, buy I the mean, shirts. Uh, we're gonna, we may end up mixing it up. Maybe Elgato Gaming send us a stream deck. We're trying to get some sounds in for Lilo, so it's up. Hell yeah, Elgato, Elgato, and thank you, Lilo, for the great questions, and uh, thank you, listeners, for sticking around, making it through birth hour, calendar year, birthdays, and uh, you know we're gonna do that Hell shit yeah. again next year, and you know. Yo, back to a regular scheduled program next week, baby. Yeah, yeah, back to Wednesday, and be excited because we are going to be doing more PLG book reviews uh, as well. Not this week, in the future, but this week we're going to be launching or releasing our new The People segment, which 
is not actually the name for it, but which is tentatively what its name is going to be, because I need a placeholder because I'm just talking and I announced it. Anyway. <laughs> all right, all right. On that note. All right, uh, take us out, Lilo. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the book review, the solo special, and our quick scope for the industry. We shall be hitting you up next Wednesday. All right. Later.